are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse. Short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Since we've last met up in this digital domain of demented diversion, I have had a second son, so that's cool and has kept me busy. Work has also been ongoing on the Darkverse Volume 5, and I've had to reprint some of the other volumes to keep them in stock. For those of you who do not know, I currently have four beautiful hardcover volumes of the Darkverse, each containing 26 stories from the podcast that have been professionally edited and accompanied with superb illustrations. Several of these tomes have won awards. Just this year I found out that Volume 4 won in horror for the National Indie Excellence Awards, and it came in as a finalist in horror for the Book Excellence Awards. You can support me and my writing and get signed copies at shop.sharkchild.com. Use the code DREAMDARKLY to get 20% off your order. I found that many of my stories explore an emotion of creating horror by marrying the unknown and enlightenment, where darkness and repulsion are not the evil, but an uneasy good. I love delicately spewing out twistedness from this realm. This episode's story is a part of that evolving journey. This is episode 117 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled Crimson Memories. Deep within my chest, with the inhalation of breath as a whispering guttural wind, I channeled a heat and power that compressed as if with the gravity of a gigantic planet. The energy swirled and tapped into an interdimensional knowledge collective, pulling in the necessary symbols and language for performing my intended action, a spell only issuable by means of shared intellect. Before me, a body lay atop an ornate ebony table, an elderly woman who passed away a few hours prior to this moment. Her arms crossed her chest, and liver mortis was masked beneath the navy blue dress adorning her figure. I stood at her side with my eyes closed and my hands pressed firmly against the table's surface. As I then exhaled, I let the spell out. It rushed from me with palpable force and came to life. Voices from other worlds joined together with the expelled air in a hoarse chorus of melodic sorcery. From the orifices of the woman's face 
her eyes, her nostrils, her ears, and her mouth, all of her blood exited. Multiple arching tendrils of dense blood siphoned into space above her, pooling into a gelatinous sphere. Quickly, before it congealed, I sculpted the floating blood into the shape and form commissioned by the woman's widower. Like a potter molding clay, I crafted a keepsake of blood in memoriam of her lost soul. In a matter of moments, the blood had become the desired design, an effort completed by imagination and mystic force rather than the tedious adeptness that would have been required by the labor's physical counterpart. When the piece was completed and encased in a transparent sheath of magical preservation, I opened my eyes and let it float down into my hands. What I then held was a swan, a reminder to the woman's widower and family of the love and grace she had always exuded for them. Joyfully, I left the chambers of my work and gave the memento to its purchaser, who shed tears at its sight and left with a small amount of hope that outlasted those daunting coils of death. Two morticians entered following his departure and collected the body. After I was alone, I returned to my art chamber. Beneath the ebony table remained two items of the woman's blood, each crafted apart from the commissioned piece. A small trophy being a single curved horn about three inches in length, and a small token being a grape-sized globule. I retrieved both and placed them in a pocket. Upstairs, three rooms formed my living quarters. A bedroom, a kitchen, and a study. The first two were average accommodations, but the latter was my gateway through the treacherous labyrinths of realities to the sanctum of congressional knowledge, the Hostelygian. This study contained hundreds of the small, blood-horn trophies intermingled amongst mirrored walls and an abundance of glass prisms. A skylight directed light into a large polygonal dome of mirrored plates affixed to the floor, sending illumination richly throughout the room with scintillations and glints of continuous glare. The light split through the prisms, blanketing the walls in infinity reflections with the dispersed spectrum of all color. I placed the newly acquired blood horn amongst the rest of my collection and sat down in a white lounge chair in the center of the room. It faced the pillar of light descending from the skylight, an arrangement for admiring the commingling of blood and light. On moonlit nights, the dark red from the blood and the pale luminosity from the skylight created a gothic kaleidoscope of burgeoning cosmic enchantment. It was moments like these in which my connection to the realms of higher knowledge felt its truest, moments I would again soon experience. For once in the clutches of the Hostelygian's white chair, I remained for 144 hours, leaving it only for hydration and excretory requirements. While time passed, I let the shifting of ambiances exalt my essence into the stars of my intellectual mentors, my custodians. I projected myself into their domain of peace, wisdom, and purpose, 
a place of innocence by means of understanding, not inexperience, of cleansing by way of verity, not sacrifice, a place where heavenly bodies ascended through teachings and where evil was subjugated by the ethereal fires of transparency. Cosmic reveries filled my head with jubilations of sanctity, forces of opposing energies and intellectual weight connected to and balanced my thoughts. At the conclusion of this meditative respite, I retrieved the blood globule from my pocket and placed it in my mouth. I chewed it slowly, allowing the taste and texture to saturate my senses. Then I swallowed it and said a prayer. This was my life and profession, a cycle of work and piety and learning. I was told by the custodians that there was no one like me, that I was alone and unique, a zealot of a sacred humanoid order of one. I was told that the blood horns were the merits of my progress, symbols of my accumulating power and wisdom, and that with their continuing propagation my connection to the galactic crossroads of enlightenment would be ever heightened. For decades, I lived alone and focused solely on building my collection of horns and emboldening my connection to the custodians. This purpose was enough to sustain and empower me against the ambitions of flesh and society. It was after the completion of the Swan Commission, in those elongated hours of meditation in the Hostelygian, that I was told that my preparation was complete that it was time to ascend and release the full potential of my being to be myself amongst the custodians. For a week, I focused exclusively on repossessing peak constitution, eating, drinking, and sleeping until I reached a culmination of contentedness and health. I turned down work and spoke to no one. I subjugated myself to minimal outside interaction and closed my eyes when not performing any task requiring sight. Filled with eagerness and excitement, time slinked through the days like quicksand capturing motionless prey, and upon each sunset I would confirm with the custodians the appointment of my sacred promotion. At midnight on the seventh night, I stepped up and onto the dome beneath the skylight, closed my eyes and lifted my hands in prayer. I felt the energy and particles of my current realm fall from my body like flaking skin and phase into the components of the multiple dimensions of my custodians. I opened my eyes to the dark red of the blood around me beginning to glow, turning to neon violet. This light then dispersed from the prisms into the full spectrum of color. My eyes burned with the fierceness of the uncanny light, a power not of brightness, but of spectrality, of foreignness. The blood horns vibrated, collecting energy from the source of the interdimensional reaches. Then they lifted and converged upon me. Without air, and with an orchestration of shared knowledge, the horns implanted themselves within my head, sinking a third of their length through my skull until they pressed against my brain. When there was no longer room on my head, the horns pressed into my face, my ears, and I could no longer hear, my eyes, and I could no longer see, and my mouth, 
and I could no longer eat. Then into my neck, and finally my back. Then they fused in permanence and promoted me into exalted vassalage. Blood seeped over my head and body while a collective of illumination came pouring into my mind. A chorus of divine spirits sang into my subconscious the custodian's deepest secrets. In my inner eye, I saw a perfect star-filled sky. Harmony spread across it, and sights and sounds pulsed within unseen currents of creation that dispersed ephemeral trails of purples and blues that gradually faded into the canvas of black. It was beautiful, and it was hypnotizing. Through this veil of cosmic life, a spectral, unrecognizable hand gently advanced and took hold of my consciousness. The hand massaged it and expanded it for several moments, before it ripped the reverie away like an adhesive bandage. The awe vanished, but the knowledge remained. My thoughts returned to my body, and the purpose of my role became staggeringly clear. I had been conditioned and fashioned into an antenna, and the commissioned blood mementos were the receivers and projectors of the transmissions that would be sent through me, transcendental messages the custodians had planned to disseminate across my world to the hundreds of individuals and families I had unknowingly interconnected. My extended durations of meditation were training, exercises in building my endurance for when the time came to fulfill my multi-decade role. For as long as my mortal body could maintain its status beneath the skylight in the Hostiligian, I would transmit, linking multitudes of new souls to the grace of my interstellar masters. The canon I had placed my faith upon had come to a conclusion. There was never the intention for a sole practitioner of this religion. My spiritual primogenitors had grand plans for me from the start, shrouding their true desires. Their will was for congregation, for evangelism, for conversion, for a flock of emasculated followers to bow down to and worship them, and to be amazed by their marvelous feats. I was to be the bridegroom of a church, and offering so that many more could be beholden to my custodians, so that their doctrine could proliferate. I had never experienced such profoundness as I had with my custodians, such belonging, the ethos, the magic, the quietude. My life had been balanced, and I had found myself to be immensely grateful. I was honored to be a sacrifice so that others could feel what I had felt and be given the blessing of nirvana. I stood proudly under the skylight for many days before my body failed and left behind its own crimson memory. That concludes episode 117 of The Dark Verse. Make sure you download and listen to all of the past episodes if you have not yet done so. You can get them at thedarkverse.com. You can find them on SoundCloud, iTunes, and a plethora of other platforms. If you like this content and you like my stories, please take a second to rate the podcast, leave a review. That goes miles 
towards helping my podcast reach more ears. I will hopefully have a new story for you soon. All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without his written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. Love.